Hey, don't forget, it's Wolves Wednesday today. When you hear that howl, we'll take uh, the third caller. Uh, we'll win uh, some tickets to see the Minnesota Timberwolves. Tickets were given away today. Four-pack of tickets to the February 16th game versus the Washington Wizards. Joining us now on the John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline is Dr. Michael Osterholm, Director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Osterholm, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Adam good, Carter good here with you. in for Chad. Yep. Uh, the big news that uh, the COVID emergency coming to end, coming to an end in May, uh, I guess my first question to you, is this the right move right now? Well, first of all, I think it's clear that the vast majority of citizens in this country have already gotten over the pandemic. They're yeah. done with it, yeah. and they've moved on. I think the challenge we have is that, unfortunately, it's not done with us yet. You know, we're still averaging right now almost 500 deaths a day in this country. Uh, if you want to compare that to what else is happening out there, the number one cause of death from cancer in this country is lung cancer, and that's about 350 deaths a day. Um, when you look at gunshot wounds, which is a terrible situation, particularly when you look at the the mass murder, mass shootings, that's about 125, 130 deaths a day, which is unbelievable. But that's astonishing. it gives you yeah, a that sense that yeah. COVID is not COVID is not done yet. And now, grant you, the majority of the people we're seeing who are hospitalized and who are seriously ill tend to be older or have underlying immune conditions. Uh, right now, we're averaging right around 460 individuals hospitalized in in Minnesota every day with COVID, and we're still seeing here 11, on average, 11 deaths a day in Minnesota. So this is the problem we have: is how do we move on, move forward, but at the same time making sure we're protecting those who are most likely to become seriously ill, hospitalized, and die. And how do we do that? I mean, that's the thing. You mentioned it. We talked about it yesterday when this news broke, about how just, you know, it seems, okay, the government says it's over, but you you said it. It's just Americans, even ones who really were cautious, who've been vaccinated, who wore masks when when we're told to do so. Even those folks are just just over it. Well, you know, I think, Adam, and and we've talked about this uh, so many times on this show between you and Chad, is that. This virus just keeps throwing 210-mile-hour curveballs at us. I mean, for example, you know, uh, over the course of the first year and a half to two years of the pandemic, if I was uh, asked once, had been asked hundreds of times, why are we not doing it like Japan? Why not? They, they seem to be doing much better than we do. Well, Japan has just gone through a horrible four months, five months with COVID, where they had a big peak uh, in August, September, which exceeded anything they'd had before. And now they've just had another peak, which really appeared to have peaked out about the first to to the second week of January, where they had the highest rates of death in the world that we'd seen in the pandemic. Mm. And nobody was not not making news. China made news. Uh, You know, people want to call us a seasonal disease. Well, we have just seen for the last uh, uh, eight weeks to 10 weeks the very same occurrence of cases in the northeastern part of the United States as we see in New South Wales, Australia, you know, Melbourne and Sydney. That's not seasonal yet. I mean, it's acting the same way. So I think that there are still unknowns about this virus and what it might do to us. And as we keep seeing these new variants come forward that can escape immune protection, uh, you know, this is a challenge. So, again, I come back to number one, making sure everyone, particularly 50 years of age and older, are vaccinated with the new bivalent vaccine. The data are clear and compelling that may not protect you from getting infected, but it has a tremendous amount of protection for serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths. 
If you do get sick with COVID, get in quickly. See your physician, your healthcare provider, because we have drugs that can surely help reduce the likelihood of becoming seriously ill, as well as even developing long COVID. And then finally, last but not least, and, you know, I still do it all the time. You know, wear my N95 respirator if I'm in public spaces. I refuse to give in to this virus and means I'm going to be locked up in my, my place. But at the same time, I'm taking the, uh, the effort to protect myself. And you can't know how many people I know recently who have decided they're off with the mask now. And within two to three weeks, for the first time in three years, they're infected. So when May 11th comes and that designation is gone, I guess what what is the biggest concern that you have in regards to how things change? I mean, what comes to mind is, you know, availability of tests or free vaccines that changes. What what is most what is most concerning to you? Well, at this point, uh, let me just say that probably one of the worst days I had to deal with with regard to that question was uh, some several months ago when the president Biden announced that the pandemic was over. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, an and I was uh, one line down in the New York Times article saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, it was you don't you don't want to be put in that position. Bottom line was he was right as it relates to the public. OK, they're done. Uh, but the cases are still occurring. So now the question is, what happens if we basically uh, do in the public health emergency? It has a certain number of powers that the federal government has and so forth that they can do things with in terms of how people can get health insurance, what can be paid for or not. But let me remind you that, you know, we've had uh, an appropriations request before Congress for uh, a number of aspects of uh, COVID work. Uh, for the last five months, and nothing has been done. And so many of these programs are drying up anyway that would provide testing, that provide vaccine, that provide, uh, you know, the kind of follow-up medical care so, you know, people don't not go in because they are they don't they can't afford it until they are so sick that, you know, they have to be transported by emergency vehicle. That's the kind of thing that's going to become a real challenge on May 10th. I hear this a lot from people I know who say, okay, I've, I'm, I'm feeling sick. I'm going to stay away from people, but I just, I don't care if it's the flu or COVID. I'm just, I'm not going to get tested. I'm just going to, you know, stay away from people. What, what do you say to that? Should people still, even if they're following the precautions of staying yeah. away from people, should they still get tested? Do we still need to know? Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, let me just say that it, that's a normal response. You know, for people, particularly younger individuals who have seen many of their friends get COVID over recent months and with the new strains, they haven't gotten that sick. Okay, but we surely see others who do. And I think that's the problem we have. You know, if you're a young, healthy 35 year old, uh, you know, you probably have a very low likelihood of developing severe illness. You get infected. But if you take that mild infection of yours to grandpa and grandma's house, that could kill them. And that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, remember, I'm talking about over 500 deaths a day in this country from COVID. And I've already given you a sense how that compares to other things like cancer Mm -hmm. and so forth. So it's not an insignificant situation. And so in that case, you know, if you're going to see people or be with people who might be at increased risk, you know, how many people today are being treated for cancers right now that they have some immune suppression of their, their bodies that put them at higher risk? That's what you want to be sure of. You don't expose those people. And the way you'll know that is if you test yourself at home. I saw a figure, and correct me if this is wrong, but that only 15% of people have received the latest uh, booster. Is that right? Unfortunately, that is right. Now, the, the, the 
caveat to that, though, is that's for all the population that's okay. eligible, which takes oh. it down to kids. Um, and again, you know, I still urge to get the vaccine, but I understand for those who are younger where they think, you know, the, the data surely do show a lower risk. But for those in particular who are age 50 and age 65, it's only about 40 percent of people have gotten the vaccine there. And that is the age group that this vaccine can be life saving. And that's why we keep saying, please get it, get it. It, it, it Again, I'm not going to oversell it and say it's going to stop you from getting infected or from, uh, you know, necessarily feeling pretty bad. But it surely will have a big impact on whether or not you get severely ill, hospitalized or die. So that other 60 percent of that over age group, we need to get them vaccinated. Got a couple of uh, questions coming in on the text line. Somebody wants to know, doctor, about the current deaths from COVID. Is the percentage of those folks who are unvaccinated? Uh, right now, you have about a three to three and a half fold greater risk of dying from not being vaccinated than from being vaccinated. So it's not a perfect uh, vaccine, and that means that it stops all people from from dying. But the protection is substantial. It's very substantial. And so, uh, again, uh, you know, get vaccinated. Uh, it, it surely is going to make a big difference. Somebody asking about, uh, God forbid, another pandemic or the next pandemic. Uh, the situation, <laughs> I know, I, I don't want to give you too much anxiety, but the, from what we've learned over the last three years, uh, are we better prepared for the next one? I wish I could say we were, but we're not. You know, we're not. Uh, we have missed so many lessons in this pandemic uh, from a public health perspective. How do we do good respiratory protection? Uh, what Look what's happened with vaccines. I mean, we've seen uh, a real division in our country between those who believe that the vaccines are something very bad, that, you know, a, a government plot type issue, uh, and yet they're life-saving. Um, you know, when you look at health care, our health care system in this country is hanging on by a thread. You know, I was one of those people critical of using the term triple-demic uh, earlier this uh, winter for the concurrent influenza RSV and COVID occurrence. Because, in fact, it turned out with RSV and COVID or, and with influenza, they were not any higher than the normal years. It's just they occurred much earlier. Mm -hmm. And yet our health care systems are overrun. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we have restricted and, and reduced our healthcare capacity because of cost uh, so that we've lost hundreds and hundreds of pediatric beds in this country just in the last few years. We are not addressing that at all. And so I could go through a laundry list of reasons why we're, we're not better prepared, which we should learn these lessons. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in an age where there was an oil, oil, oil fram commercial that said, you can pay me now or you'll pay me later. Yeah. And I think this is one of those ones where uh, one day we are going to wish we had done more. Talking to Dr. Michael Ostrom, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. The, uh, the effect that uh, the COVID vaccine hes hesitancy or downright uh, anti-vax people against that vaccine. How much, uh, how much of an impact has it had on other vaccines that even, you know, 10, yeah. four years ago, people well, really had no problem with? Yeah. You know, we had started to see some vaccine hesitancy even before COVID hit, sure. yep. but COVID has surely driven it to a whole new level. Because what we've seen happen is people who clearly don't believe in the COVID vaccine now translate that also to other vaccines. 
And there is so much disinformation. This is not misinformation. This is intentional information to try to keep people from getting vaccinated with very scary kinds of stories. I mean, right now, everyone who dies suddenly, you'll find a news story shortly thereafter that's probably due to their COVID vaccine, yep. which, of course, hasn't. And that's not, not true at all. It's not. And we've got the data to say it, but it doesn't matter because they just keep repeating it. Well, that is carrying over into childhood immunizations. And, you know, we have had the benefit of the last 40 years of these vaccines in our society. But, you know, what? talk to our grandparents and great grandparents if they're still around. They'll tell you what it was like when polio was here when we didn't have a vaccine or measles was here and we didn't have a vaccine. Uh, you know, that type of world was very different. And, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is that the average life expectancy in this country in 1900 was 48 years. It took mm-hmm. us thousands and thousands of generations from the caves to 1900 to get to 48 years. Now it's 76 years. Why has that increased three, uh, two, uh, one day for every three days we've lived? Because of things like vaccines. Yeah. You know, we're not losing a lot of kids at young ages. And so, you know, I'm afraid we may have to go back and rediscover that when parents who are anti-vaccine will find their own children severely ill and unfortunately die. So I, I, we, we need to share as best we can with that world out there of disinformation, just what are they actually doing? What are they doing to hurt kids, not help them? Dr. Ostrom, always thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Have a great day. That's Dr. Michael Ostrom. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Yep. Right. Bye-bye. You too. The director of, uh, for the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Lots of texts coming in. Your reaction to uh, what Dr. Osterholm said, and he nailed it right there at the start, that just Americans are over it, even ones who have played by all the rules and did what they had to do. Uh, and it's just head-scratching and lots of fear about what he said about being prepared for the next one, God forbid, and something else would come down the line. That gives you pause. And the way we're going with vaccine hesitancy, not only with COVID but with other um, diseases, it's, it's head-shaking sometimes. Six five one four six one nine two two six. it's Adam Carter in for Chad on a Wednesday on WCCO. This is Joy Division, one of the, uh, what is it, 14 nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you determine who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anyway? I mean, it seems so subjective to me. But it's like anything else. You know it if you hear it. Is that group a rock, Hall of Fame rock and roll group? Sure. You know what you hear. Uh, just reacting uh, briefly here to some of the comments, uh, people texting in with uh, Dr. Osterholm. And I get it, and I get, the, uh, I get the fatigue. I really do. I understand that because I have someone who I've gotten my vaccines. I've gotten the boosters. I got COVID in October. It wasn't fun. Uh, but I'm here, Right. But it's like, how can you prove that those vaccines saved my life? Well, if I didn't have them, would I still be here? And that's the problem with people believing either the negative news about the vaccines or believing the misinformation that has been out there. And make no mistake, there's a lot of misinformation. And a lot of people making a lot of money on the misinformation. Text her right here. Uh, COVID isn't a va- COVID vaccine isn't a vaccine. It's no better than a flu shot. The medical industry screwed the name vaccine, which for polio and measles actually kept you kept you from getting it. COVID shots prevent nothing, and you can still spread it. Yes, you can still spread it. It was oversold early on as saying it would drop uh, spread significantly, but is irrefutable 
to show you the differences between people who died from the virus and people who didn't die based on getting a vaccination. Just is. Another text. Why did my good friend, athletic 25-year-old, get myocarditis from the vaccine? Are there examples of people getting myocarditis from the vaccine? Yes. Uh, Much higher rates in people who actually had the virus getting myocarditis uh, as opposed to the vaccine. Again, just facts. But, boy, Dave, (laughs) you said it off the air. When When you ask about, hey, what about the lessons we learned from this one and preparing us for the next one? You would hope that, oh, yeah, we'll be ready for the next one. (laughs) <laughs> not so much. So good luck to you should something else come down the line. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a stark reminder of just the, what the division in the country has caused, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the misinformation or, you know, whatever people saying, if, if they just, you know, they won't believe it. You can tell them, you can tell them, you can tell them. The experts can say it and say it, you know, whether it's Dr. Osterholm, Dr. Fauci, whoever it is, they can repeat themselves over and over. But there's a certain segment of the population that will just, they won't hear it. They they won't hear it for whatever reason. They don't want to. They just flat out don't believe authority or mm-hmm. the experts, whoever it is. And you know that's that's where we're at. And that's sadly what Doctor Michael Michael Osterholm was saying there. Just yeah. hey, are we uh, ready for the next one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Good luck. Yep. Yeah. We're just as hosed as we were for this one. Uh, my grandfather lived to be 92. He was born in 1912, talked about the 1918 flu pandemic when he was a kid. He was a very staunch supporter of getting your shots. I really think the loss of people in this in his generation who lived before vaccines and lost a life uh, from everything we have vaccines for has uh, greatly proliferated the number of people believing uh, the BS. That's just it. I mean, it's just it's hard to prove something. Um, that doesn't happen. It's hard to prove. Well, what, how how do you know these vaccines have saved my life? How do you know these? How I don't have measles or that measles doesn't exist because of the vaccine? Or how do I know that my child now uh, has this certain symptom based on a lack of information other than a, a vaccine? It's awfully difficult, and especially when you can go on your phone or online and find articles um, backing things up. I just, it's, if you just take a second to realize, to read into what, you, what you're, you're being fed and the quotes and doing a little research as to where that's coming from and what kind of angles people have on that, it, 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 it I would hope that more people would have their eyes open to the absolute BS that they're fed sometimes. Uh, so, if you are a parent of a student at the University of Minnesota with a last name that starts, oh, let's say uh, N, with an N and anything later, are you really going to sit through that whole commencement ceremony as thousands of students now have demanded to have their moment walking across the stage and getting a diploma? Are you really going to sit through it all? Uh, we'll discuss that next on CCL. I miss I miss these hours, these noon to three hours. I wish I could, you know, get up a little later, but but I miss my co-host Jordana. And I somebody somebody texted Jordana today on the city's one plumbing talking text line six five one four six one nine two two six. You sound like you and Adam don't get along. Is that true? Is that why he's off all the time? <laughs> no, it's not. That's not it. Uh, 
we have to juggle sometimes, and that's why I'm here noon to three. Uh, I graduated college. I'm proud to say that. C's do indeed get degrees, which is why uh, at Gustavus Adolphus I was able to graduate in 1998. You're the tornado. And, yes, I went to commencement. And, yes, I had my opportunity to uh, walk across the stage and get my degree, my diploma. Uh, why do I bring that up? I don't really care. I did, You know, that moment, I don't think it was that big of a deal for me. So why is it a big deal for college students to have that moment? Yes, I know it's hard work to get a degree. It's a lot of money to get a degree. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, does walking across the stage at commencement, being handed a diploma by... In this case, would it be Joan Gable, the university president, or the president of your specific college? Does it really mean that much? I don't think it does. But the students at the University of Minnesota, bless their hearts, uh, got a petition going because last October, the University of Minnesota, I'm reading now from the uh, Minnesota Daily, last October, the University of Minnesota announced that due to renovations at Mariucci Arena, where commencement ceremonies are usually held, most college-specific graduations would be combined into a joint ceremony at Huntington Bank Stadium. Due to the thousands of graduating seniors, students won't walk on stage to receive their diplomas during the ceremony. And then after receiving criticism from students and families about the ceremony being less personal for graduates as in past years, the university created additional ways to celebrate University working with students, faculty, alumni, and families to find a solution to these concerns, according to uh, University Provost Rachel Corson. Along with the conferral ceremony at Huntington, the university will provide opportunities for students to receive their diplomas on stage, choose who they walk with, and participation in graduation virtually if they so wish. On February 16th, graduating students will receive an email to register for the joint conferral ceremony and a stage-crossing ceremony during the stage-crossings. Students will have their names announced across the stage and be congratulated. In the next few weeks, the university will announce stage-crossing time slots. Stage-crossings will take place at the Reckwell Fieldhouse in Kaufman Union during various times from May 11th through May 13th. Corson says this announcement is really about the conferral ceremonies, but also about those stage-crossing opportunities which were designed so that people could have their family there in a front row seat, not way up in the bleachers. Does it really matter that much? <laughs> does, it re- <laughs> does it really matter? Now, this is a little bit, okay, so I, mis- I guess I misinterpreted the initial story earlier today when I thought, really, they're going to have everybody together? So... I mean, I could see if it's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm in the college of uh, dental, you know, uh, col- uh, dental college. So I'm, me and my fellow <laughs> dentists. for you to say. D- yeah, right. <laughs> Can you tell I didn't go to one? <laughs> yeah, uh, the tooth college. <laughs> <laughs> so me and my fellow dental students, future dentists of America, get to, you know, and I don't know how many that is, but it's a lot less than whatever the graduated, total graduating class of the University of Minnesota. But don't you think, though, Dave, that, like, commencement is a much bigger deal than it was in, in high school than it was in, in college? Well, not all of us skated through college getting C's and spending most <laughs> of our time with, you know, Natty Light and ripping bong hits, Adam. 
You know, some people actually worked hard in college. You know, they they <laughs> saw that hard. degree. They said, you know what? I don't care how much work it's going to be. I don't care how many hours I'm going to have to put in studying while working two jobs and juggling all these commitments. I am going to get that degree, darn it, and it's going to cost me a lot of money. This is an example, and a texter nails it here, though. It's much in the same way that kids are pressured to go to college or go to a college that, uh, you know, a better college, a better institution. It's about the status because we want to put that sticker on the car. My student is a, is a my <laughs> son is a student at so and so college. I'm paying, you know, $45,000 a year for this sticker. It's the same with commencement. Most of these kids don't care. Just give me the diploma. Now let me be on my way. I'm going to take a sabbatical for a year uh, and then, uh, you know, get into the job world or I'm going getting a job right away. It's the parents who ruin this. The parents are the ones who say, no, we've got to have commencement. We've got to see uh, Chuck, uh, our future dentist, cross the uh, stage and shake hands so we can get our picture opportunity. It's ridiculous. I liked my commencement. You I don't did? Know about you? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I, college? I, Are we talking college here? We're talking college. Where it did was, you go to school? It was at the U I don't of even M. No, oh, University of Minnesota. Well, yep. tell me now. It was so my class, my graduating class at Gustavus was like, I want to say less than five hundred, right about five hundred, maybe. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's still a long ceremony when you're going through everybody. But how do they do it at the U? When there's so many students. There was, a, there was a bunch of us. I don't remember how many. I mean, it was a few hundred. Certainly. I graduated in December, so certainly a little different than it would be, you know, May and June. It was a little smaller. But, you know, we filled up Northrop Auditorium. I you know, still remember the, you know, they had a list of, you know, you could invite four people basically as guests. I think, you know, my parents, my brother, and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, were the only ones that were there because they filled up the four spots. And I, I will probably always remember getting up and walking across the stage, you know, you do the tassel thing, flip it to the other side, whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, a professor that I had for several classes coming up and giving me a big old hug right in the middle of the stage. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. And I said, I'm sorry, it was a disappointment that I'll never get a job in TV broadcasting uh, like all those classes I took for you. But, you know, I appreciate you uh, coming up and showing me a little love. Maybe that's it. Maybe when I crossed the stage, like my professors were like, whoa, you, you made it. Huh? You graduated? How did this thing, happen? Can we check the list again. Is that thing signed? <laughs> Open that up. Let's take a look at that. The only annoying part, sorry to mom and dad, uh, is that they demanded that they have some sort of party for me at their house that night. And really all I wanted to do was go out to Sally's and Stubborn Herbs with buddies that I graduated exactly. with. Exactly. <laughs> That's the commencement that you want. Yes. I mean, you get the, like it said, it's. You want to celebrate with with your fellow peeps. Yes. I had to, you know, I said, okay, fine. Six to eight, but then I'm gone. And then I'm a couple gone. people, and I won't name, showed up at 7.55. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, you're in, you're out. You say, oh, you showed up late. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I was just about to leave. Oh, you're here. Really? Oh, you're killing me right now. You're absolutely killing yeah. me. Adam, I graduated from the University of Minnesota in December of 1991 with a civil engineering degree. College of Science and Industry, of which it is called now, only had one yearly commencement in May. I was the first of my four brothers to go to college and get a degree, and I worked and paid my own way through school, went back, participated in the June commencement because I earned it and felt like the completion of my goal. All right, bravo. I mean, that's that's commendable. That's You're the first one to... Go to college. You put yourself through college. 
but you still get the degree. It's not like you're, you know, not graduating just because you don't go through commencement. As a parent of college grads, this is a text to the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line, 651-461-9226. It mattered to us. We loved the group applause and the individual recognition of grads and the awards that were given and all the pomp and circumstance and the professor's robes and parade, the professional photographer taking pictures and the photo ops with friends and the mortarboard throwing and then dinner afterwards, all of it. And what are you going to say when your girls graduate from high school and then perhaps move on to college and then they... They do that four years, or in your case, six Carter, or seven. Start, last name starts with a C. It's, it'll be early on, early enough, where well, it'll be like, yes, let's have the, let's walk, let's do the stage thing, and then we're out of here. You get a, you're sitting in the middle of the row, and uh, uh, excuse me, pardon yeah. me, coming through, coming <laughs> we're through. Done. Yeah, we're, we're done. done here. Sorry. Yeah. Good luck there, Z. Yeah, Z. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to want to be there for the commencement. You're going. Would you say if they? If they said, you know, I don't want to do this walk thing, I'm going to skip it, would you be disappointed or would I you say go get probably would be disappointed because it's the parents' angle. All yes. I'm saying is the students don't really care about it. <laughs> they don't. Just give me my degree. I'm moving on. All right? More of your reaction to this. 149, Adam in for Chad on a Wednesday on a Wolves Wednesday on WCCO. Listen for the howl. Cindy Lauper, also a uh, up for a rock and roll Hall of Fame, fourteen of the one of the fourteen inductees. We'll go over that list next hour. We'll get to a lot of different topics next hour. By the way, this is Adam Carter in for Chad. Chad uh, feeling a little under the weather today. We hope he's back tomorrow because big day tomorrow. Let's kick hunger day broadcasting uh, from Second Harvest Heartland. Such a great event uh, where we help those folks out every year. Obviously, hunger continues to be an issue and it's one of the the driving missions of this radio station to help out organizations that uh, can feed the hungry and that is uh, one of the great events of the year tomorrow and lots of great guests lined up i just saw the uh, guest list for all the shows tomorrow from vanita to me and jordana to chad and then jason lots of uh, great people will be joining us um, live at uh, Second Harvest Heartland to uh, celebrate Let's Kick Hunger Day and raise some money for those good causes. By the way, your Linda's Construction time check is um, one fifty-four. Time to save on Infinity from Marvin Windows with 50% off installation labor. You heard the howl. Uh, Dave, did we have a winner of the uh, four-pack of tickets? We certainly did. We had Chad, not of Plymouth. Uh, but Chad of Watertown, very nice. excited. He's uh, he's pumped up. He's going to go to the uh, game February 16th against the Wizards. Chad from Watertown, congratulations, and uh, you're going to that game. Not the last chance to win some Timberwolves tickets today. It is Wolves Wednesday. Uh, yet another chance to win tickets coming up with uh, Jason starting at 3 o'clock. So I'm Mr. Down on graduation ceremonies, and people are um, being they're upset with me. Good. agree however i think the commencement is more for families in attendance than for the student graduated 2001 from college all i wanted to do was get to my grad party but for my mom it was a big deal regarding university of minnesota graduation sometimes it's more important to the parents and other family members than it is to the student think of families where parents did not go to college and are so proud of their first college graduate in the family. They want to celebrate the student's accomplishment. Yeah, you can do that, though, with a graduation party. You still get, you get the gown. 
You get to keep the gown and the mortarboard. <laughs> Take pictures at the party. Wow. Okay. Just deny families that moment. It's that's no, cool. Really? I mean, if your kid, let's not say, all of us are legacies, Mister Carter. Legacy. I'm a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your tie? Is that my Harvard tie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you, would you feel the same way if your last name was? Uh, Zucaitis. <laughs> well, you're not. Come on, you're not actually getting up, Mister C, during the middle of the thing. Your your student has to go back and sit down, so you sit your butt down. Enjoy it. No, I'm leaving. No. <laughs> Meet me at the bar. The There's a, is, is, the, is there a B Dub still down there near the <laughs> I Huntington believe, Bank Stadium? I believe so. Well, you know that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> down and back some jamming jalapenos and uh, 32 ounce beers. Uh, all right. Um, next, uh, parents behaving badly. We've got two examples of parents behaving badly and a coach behaving badly. But the one about a youth basketball game. Now we've got a death involved after parents brawled at a youth basketball game. What the hell is wrong with parents? They ruin everything. They ruin everything, including youth sports. We'll that next after CBS News. And uh, Rusty's local report. Adamant for Chad. Stay tuned. More to come.